When I was in my last parish, I developed a, what I call the Catholic pretest, which I usually give to people like the beginning of RCIA or baptism prep, marriage prep, um, to just sort of gauge, help them gauge themselves, like where their religious education left off, like what have, what have they retained maybe from the time that they were in catechism class or from their RCIA, they've never heard uh, much about the Catholic faith. Like, what do you perceive it to be? And one of my first questions is it true or false. Uh, Catholics believe that when we die, we become angels. You don't have to answer that out loud, but in your heart, is that true or false? It's false. We do not become angels when we die. We sometimes have that image that we just like float up and, oh, there's another angel in heaven uh, when a loved one dies. But in fact, that's not the case. Angels are a being. They, they exist. They are pure spirits, intelligences that have no body. They're incorporeal. It's just a fancy word for saying they, they don't have bodies, meaning they don't live in time. They don't change. They're like God in the sense that they are purely spiritual. They are real, but invisible. They can become manifest to us, corporeal creatures, bodily creatures, but they're not us. They're, we are like angels in the sense that we have a spirit. We have a spiritual soul, but we also have a body. So we are composite beings of body and soul. So when we die, what happens? Our, our spirit, our soul, is separated temporarily from the body. The body, which is mortal, dies, but the immortal soul lives on. And so what we believe as Catholics is that when we die, this separation is temporary until the end of time when the resurrection from the dead occurs, when Christ calls out all the dead from their graves and we get our bodies back, but glorified this time. And this at the time of Jesus, by the way, was a very controversial thing. Um, You see him arguing with Sadducees and Pharisees. And in the Acts of the Apostles, too, there's this, still this division. And the resurrection of Jesus becomes kind of a lightning rod for some of those divisions. The Sadducees, we remember that because they were sad, you see, they did not believe in the resurrection at the end of time. There was, were some Jews, like the Pharisees and others, who did believe that at the end of, the, end of time, that we would rise from our graves. That wherever we spent this temporary exile after death, whether it's Sheol, the underworld, or if it's just darkness and it's like sleep, you don't remember anything, and then all of a sudden you, you wake up in the kingdom of God, whatever that meant, there was disagreement. But there were some that believed, and at the end of time, God has planned that he's going to, like Ezekiel said, call all these dry bones up, put flesh back on them, and we're going to be alive again. But what's so radical about the resurrection of Jesus is that it didn't happen at the end of time. It happened in time, in history, and people were eyewitnesses to it. These 12 or 11 ordinary guys are in this upper room, and all of a sudden they've heard rumors. The women have seen the empty tomb. Some of them have seen the Lord himself. And all of a sudden, uh, there he is in their midst, and they're incredulous for joy. And he says, I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have flesh and bones, as you can see I have. Look at my hands and my feet. Look at my wounds. Give me a piece of fish. I'm hungry. He's like trying to make the point that he has risen from the dead. He was dead three days ago, and now he is alive. Not simply as a spirit, not as an idea, not as an angel, but as a full human being, body and soul. So what does this mean for us? What did it mean for the apostles 
is that that is what's in store for us someday at the end of time. It's the guarantee we have that the resurrection is real. That death finally does not have the last word. That what we hope for is not an ideational existence where we're like floating on clouds, but we're not really real. It's, it's earthy, it's flesh, it's, it's bodily, it's human, our salvation. But not just at the end of time, but in time, right here, right now, what we're destined for affects how we are to live, what our bodies mean, how we're to treat them, how we're to treat one another, that these bodies, in a way, have a destiny, not just our souls, not just our minds. I remember um, seeing on Lakeshore Drive, there's a, there's a sign on South Lakeshore Drive, either 31st or 35th Street, there's a, a sign off the exit that says, you are beautiful. There's an artist that... Uh, few years ago that made these signs and stickers and they're all over the city. It just says, you are beautiful. I remember getting off at that exit once and my first thought was, I may have even said it out loud, like, how do you know? (laughs) You know, you're just a sign. Um, I got the idea, you know, what what the artist was trying, whoever put that sign there was trying to convey is there's there's a human hunger that we, we need to be reminded that we are beautiful. We have this hunger to be seen. But I don't imagine I'm the only one that either had that explicit thought or had that feeling somewhere deep down that that sign is not convincing. I don't believe it. If I don't believe that I'm beautiful, that I'm good, that I'm worthy of love, a sign is not going to answer those deep questions, those deep hungers. Someone with a body has to say that to me. Someone real. Someone with the humanity that is shared between us. Because what that is, that desire to be seen, to be known, to be affirmed that it is good that I exist, is a desire for communion. And what we see in Christ is communion is bodily. It's not an idea. It can't really even happen online or virtually. Like, we can have shadowy images of it, but it has to be sacramental. We have to taste, in a way, what the kingdom of God is going to be like when our bodies are reunited to our souls, not resuscitated, but resurrected and glorified. There's this beautiful detail that Jesus says, give me something to eat. And they have a piece of baked fish and they give it to him and, and, and then he eats it. That what happens when he comes into the upper room is he wants to have a meal with them. He wants to be in communion with them and there's something about eating and it no doubt reminded them of the multiplication of the loaves and the fish, the Last Supper, all these times that he has eaten with his disciples, reclined at table, and been in this kind of easy human communion, this simple way. And we, in the Eucharist, eat the flesh of Christ, the resurrected body. And so we see in Jesus, in the resurrection, he's assuming earthly matter, fish, grain, grapes. He's like we assume earthly matter and turn it into us like he is assuming all of our nature all of reality as it as it appears to us and and turning it as it were divine making it a means of communion with god and in jesus when we eat the eucharist we consume we we communicate with him um, we take into our bodies and ourselves heavenly reality the son of god So, as he comes into this this upper room to us this morning, um, the question is, 
Even if I can't see it, the destiny that I have, that my body has, that my soul has, that I have as a composite of those two things, God can see it. And as he comes into the upper room, what's so hard for them to believe, why they're so incredulous for joy and amazed, is like they can't see it yet, what God sees in them, what their future holds. Not just at the end of time, but when they leave this place, when the Holy Spirit comes in 50 days and and inspires them and transforms them and makes that communion so real, so visible, so bodily. That's what he sees in us when we can't see it. Not a sign in the heavens, not a sign on the side of the road, but Jesus himself, bodily, resurrected, seeing us, loving us, and sending us out.